0: Happy Valentine's Day. It's February 14, 2018. And welcome to another edition of Bite Marks Cafe, where we serve you the first bite of today's science, technology, and innovation. I'm Bert Lam. And I'm Ryan
1: Ozawa. First up, we're going to hear about a new interactive map from the State Department of Land and Natural Resources.
0: And uh, then we'll get to know about the Pineapple Crate, a brand new co-working space in central Oahu. And uh, we'll talk to Brandon Eskew and Lilith, Subedi both uh, will join us in the studio but
1: first up let us welcome Edward Luna Kekoa he's Makai Watch coordinator under the DLNR and he's here to tell us about a new interactive map to help with fisheries welcome to the show. Aloha. Hey Luna. How's it?
0: You know, it's uh it's always interesting to see some of the cool sort of um like in this case a GIS map and it's I, I went to it and it you know, it actually shows the outlines and it shows information about the actual area that it's outlining. But what was it before
2: it became an interactive map? So I mean before this we had black and white documents where officers would have this binder with all of the rules and regulations and then after that it was this black and white map and it was just like really hard to tell the boundaries. Um, so one of the things we did was improve that curriculum and kind of update it with better pictures and as we did that the officers were like hey the rules and the pictures are good can you do something with the maps thus the map tool was born okay, so how, so, oh go ahead
0: oh, oh, uh <clears throat> in terms of the map tools how close can you zoom into it what what kind of a map are you looking is it an overlay on a on a uh, Google map, or is it the uh, the GIS system that you currently... So it's an ArcGIS. Okay. Um, mm-hmm.
2: So it runs off the ArcGIS. Um, anybody can use it as long as they have an ArcGIS um, uh, compatibility, I guess. I guess um, from any browser, because I right. could
0: I could get it from uh, my map uh, using Chrome, so I could I could view it.
2: Okay, so it, it, you can zoom into it. Um, there's boundaries, and you can turn off the different layers, so you can look at boating layers, you can look at um, lay net areas, fishery management areas mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and you can turn them on off and on to see what are the different layers um, and, uh, as well as what is permitted and what is prohibited so you get what you can do over there and what you're not allowed to do and one of the most important things is at the bottom there's this little link where you can click on it and it goes to the actual rules mm. so a lot of people say you know what is the language we have that little link where you can click on it and officers can go or public can go and look what that language is.
1: So I like the idea that you're kind of bringing us up from the time of pamphlets and mm-hmm. booklets and paper and black and white. I mean, and you said there were two phases, sort of the booklet that showed the fishes, but it was in black and white. And then now the maps was in black were in black and white and it's becoming more digital and more current. So I'm not a Fisher person. I think I've seen that booklet though somewhere before, but, uh, how does this help someone who is an active or either a commercial or just an avid fisher person?
2: It helps them know when and when they can and cannot catch a particular fish. So, yeah, I mean, the education kind of goes over is well, this is an a hole, hole. and what is the legal size of an hole hole? Mm-hmm. Um You can talk about moi and mullet because those have seasons and closed times when you're not allowed to catch them. So, it just varies on like what the rules are, as well as the area. So different areas throughout the islands have different regulations. Mm-hmm. So in Pokai Bay, you're not allowed to fish there, but you can go with a pole and line to fish. So there's certain regulations where it's a managed area and there's like a no fishing, but there's exceptions. So it kind of helps to clarify things with that. Mm-hmm. Now, the, the maps that I was looking at
0: had <clears throat> boundaries around land parcels. So, what would be a typical rule that you might uh, encounter if you're looking at a, a
2: a land parcel so land parcels could vary between like state parks or mm-hmm. um we even include a county beach park so one of the things with when you have different ways to access the ocean is you have different owners so when you have county beach parks there's certain rules that say you're allowed to like go through this area or trans i don't know transit the area mm-hmm, mm-hmm. is a technical language um but you're allowed to transit the area to go to the beach and fish. So we included areas like that. So land parcels might include like what is the rule there for this state park, or if it's a county beach park, what time that beach closes, and if you're allowed to transit that area.
1: Well, you talked about the the rules and the ability to look it up. Is, so this is not just a tool, certainly, for people who fish, but I imagine it helps the DLNR and anyone that works in monitoring or enforcement.
2: Right. It, it can be used by a variety of folks. And right now, we just started with aquatic resources and the boating division. Um, so we're looking to build within DLNR to the various divisions to include it in this one map tool where officers and the public can access it all at one time.
0: Mm-hmm. Now, a lot of the, the fishing, um, I guess, rules are kind of seasonal. So how frequently would these rules be changed and would that be reflected on the map pretty, uh, you know, like real time? Or how how frequently would this be updated?
2: Well, rules change um, mm-hmm. yearly depending on what rules were passed in the ledge, what rules were created in DLNR. Um, and if you look at the fishing regulation um, pamphlets that they have now, if you open up that first cover, it'll say in there what are the new rules of this edition. So as those get printed out, it'll be updated and we'll try to update these maps as well. Mm-hmm. And I like mm-hmm. that uh, there still are now updated like booklets and things, but with the color
1: pictures, I mean, fish have different names, whether you're talking about the Hawaiian name or the, the the American name, and it just it's much clearer this way. So a use case would be you're an avid fisher, a friend of yours has a boat, you like to go out, um, you know where you're going to go. Now you can use these maps and say, hey, you know, it would be great if we can catch some moi, but we we probably can't catch any lua today. Like that's, that's one of the use cases that this would help with.
2: Or you can also say, what are we going to be allowed to do when we get to that area? Yeah. Are we going to allow to throw it or can we lane uh-huh. it in this area? Can we only pole fish or to help you pack or like know what you should be doing in that area mm-hmm. so that you won't get a citation if an officer shows up. Or sure. Did you have to go out to, to bid to do this or how did you actually build these
0: interactive maps?
2: Um, so it started with a grant. So, I mean... Yeah, to get some funding. So mm-hmm. we wrote a grant to Castle um, Foundation, and they provided the funding. And then after that, we worked with UH to get some students to actually mm. build. So they were actually students building these maps. So it was an easier way, instead of going out for bid, to just use students and contract the students um, through grants. Excellent. Well, are, they, are these students
0: typical? Uh, are they ICS students? or what, what sort of, I mean, are they in engineering, computer science? Or?
2: Um, so I know that they were at least uh, computer science. We have oh, cool. two of them who are, went through the ArcGIS training mm-hmm. as well, so they're up to date on that, and they're the ones that's building it. Great. Now, you have a couple of uh, workshops coming up. Tell us about those workshops. So we have two workshops. One is actually this Saturday, um, May 17th, from 9 a.m. to 11 a.m. at Camilo Iki Elementary. Mm -hmm. And the second one is at um, Waianae Intermediate uh, the following Saturday, uh, February 24th. From 9.15
1: to 11.15. Excellent. And so they might be able to see some of these resources in person. We will put the links to these online tools on our show notes at bitemarkscafe.org.
0: And, of course, uh, they can register on the website as well.
2: Uh, no, need to register. It's Just, open. Come. Up. Just come. Just come. All right. Up.
0: Great. Well, thanks, Luna, for joining us.
2: You're welcome. Mahalo.
0: And, of course, we'll take a short break. And when we return, we'll talk to Brandon Eskew and Lilette uh, Subedi about the pineapple crate. This is Bite Marks Cafe. Support for Bite Marks Cafe comes from the HPR Local Talk Show Fund, which helps Hawaii Public Radio sustain and grow its locally produced talk show programming. Mahalo to contributors Bush Consulting, Sacred Hearts Academy,
3: and Urgent Care Hawaii.
4: I've been listening since I was four or five. I like to hear sound and storytelling, and I just like the very wide variety of stories that people write, ranging from remixes on classic fairy tales to modern-day storytelling about life, and I like to hear the different ways that people can read the same thing. Member-supported Hawaii Public Radio.
0: Radio with vision. Listen and see. Welcome back to Bike Marks Cafe. Now joining us uh, in the studio, Brandon Eskew and Nile Betty. And of course, if you know Brandon, he's the, I guess, one of the, the half of the dynamic duo who does street grinds. And of course, uh, which he founded with his wife, Pony. And uh, their next venture is to bring entrepreneurs and the startup community to Wahiwa at their new co-working space called Pineapple Crate.
1: Lalette Zubetti, meanwhile, is a resource developer for the Whitmore Economic Development Group, also called Wedge, and is one of the primary partners in the Pineapple Crate.
0: And I'd love to hear what the genesis of the idea for Pineapple Crate is, and I want to welcome you both to Bite Marks Cafe. Oh, thank
3: you. Hi, Bert. Hi, Ryan.
0: Now, let's see. uh, Well, I don't know who to start with because I know both of you are very uh, instrumental in, in getting this off the ground. So, Brandon... Tell us, I mean, what was the thought process that really kind of was the genesis of the Pineapple creek?
3: Well, it all started, no, i just using. Actually, we wanted to bring together farmers with ag business and ag tech companies, and the perfect model for that is a place like a co-working space. Mm-hmm. So we worked to together with ADC and HTDC to get the space and the funding needed to get the pineapple crate so open. A-
0: ADC, ADC, what does that stand for?
3: The, that's the Agribusiness Development Corporation. Oh, okay. So a uh, co-working space is something that uh, Bert and I
1: have tracked for over a decade now in Hawaii and they they are now in many places and I think what is unique specifically about uh, the Pineapple Crate, in addition to its mission, is its location. Now, Kaka'ako seems to be a wash in co-working spaces, but this is in Wahiwa, so uh, it might bleed from you to Lillette at this point,
3: but why Wahiwa for Pineapple Crate? Well, of course, Wahiwa has a, a very long history in agriculture. So when your your constituency is going to be farmers and ag business companies, it'd be great to have that place right there in the middle of where all that happens. And uh, fortunately, Dole uh, has uh, given or sold some of their lands to ADC, which puts their old offices right in the middle of ag lands, which is a perfect place to have a co working space for farmers.
0: Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Now, Lilet, you're doing the resource resource uh, development. I would like to get your thoughts on, you know, what is the community like for sort of this this uh, this segment, the startups. I mean, are, are there entrepreneurs? Are they, are they all clamoring to find space? I mean, how do you develop that community?
4: Well, we have to really get more involved in some of the networking with the farmers because – You know, it's well known that they're out in the fields working. Mm -hmm. What we can do with the co-work space at the Pineapple Crate is actually provide some of the back office support that many farmers need because they're busy out there, but they're not tech savvy enough to um, do any compliance reporting for grants that they may get. And even beyond that, it's about getting the grants. They don't know where the money comes from, especially when you're looking at uh, meeting long term needs that they have.
1: Mm -hmm. So certainly some farmers are very busy and working hard in the field, and yet they have to do compliance things, they have to do record keeping, they probably sometimes need fax machines or just (laughs) a desk where they can do their work, or they might not necessarily speak English as a first language. So is this basically one of the, the ways that the pineapple crate will help? It's sort of like a... Uh, office for them, but it sounds like there might even be some staffing assistance.
4: Yes, and we are taking a look at things. For example, one of the tech side pieces is um, developing an app that will provide information on the requirements that farmers must meet. For example, the safety plans. We learned through the ADC and Department of Ag representatives that a lot of them don't understand why they need a safety plan. Where does their water, where does the runoff go? Um, What about their quality of soil? What are they using? You know, are they using um, bio, biocides or are they using really difficult chemical pesticides that could infringe on other farmers who are doing natural farming, not organic, because things get in the air? And they need to understand what those definitions are. Mm-hmm, you know, everybody mm-hmm. comes with a different set of tools in farming. We have a lot of new farmers up and coming who are families from what we call third world countries, but they're Around in the Pacific Islands or from Southeast Asia and Asia. Mm -hmm. So there's a lot to do with um, acquainting them with our federal and state regulations. So that's one of the tasks we can provide.
0: So, yeah, you brought it up uh, when you first said back office. And I never realized this, but when you're out there working the fields, I mean, you may need a lot of these resources that if you don't have to create it all yourself and there is somebody that's perhaps leveraging uh, the uh, not only the economy of scale, because you know now a lot of people could use it, mm-hmm. then uh, then it's beneficial for you know those individual farmers, those small farmers.
4: Right, and it's really great because what um, Wedge was founded on was the premise of taking a look at the Whitmore Project, Senator Donovan La Cruz's initiative that's mm-hmm. grown, right, mm-hmm. and gotten more fan, his fan base has gotten bigger. But to take a look at um, building to scale, which means not, all big farmers are going to focus on, okay, we're just going to build, we're just going to power fields and plant, you know, 60 acres of cucumbers to justify this here and this yield will justify the processing of this. But if we get the small farmers, it's like a big hui or a co-op. Mm-hmm, because mm-hmm. the smaller farmers on five to twenty acres, for example, they can produce altogether. We'll make that yield that we need to scale to justify the processing here in Hawaii. That will solve a lot of problems with our economic development because it'll lower prices and availability of fresh produce. You know, so that's one way we look at it. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Makes sense.
1: Now, Brandon, uh, going back to the co-working idea, certainly uh, these facilities have some things in common, whether you're looking at the Box Jelly or uh, co-work or Impact Hub or Rock Downtown, um, some things people can look forward to when they say, hey, I'd be interested in Going to a co-working space to get some work done, rent a desk, have access, have air conditioning, have internet. Um, so, from a broad level, how would you say the Pineapple Crate is familiar to people uh, who would be looking for working out of Mililani, or working out of the North Shore, wanting a space?
3: Well, as you mentioned, I believe uh, we're going to have all those same amenities: uh, AC, uh, cafe space where you can sit, and get a you know make your own coffee. Uh, we're going to have conference rooms, of course, you know, internet and and desk space. You know, that's going to be by the, the day, week, month, or even uh, pop up. You want to pop up for a desk space. So whether you're working on the North Shore or you're working in Mililani or Kunia, uh, this centralized co-work space is going to be available to you.
0: So did um, did you kind of evaluate the marketplace for the, the need for this for that small farmer? Because I I see some interesting parallels between what Mela James is doing with Mana Up where she's kind of focusing on <clears throat> trying to provide services to the the small business that's focused around creating sort of Hawaii-based products, manufacturing. right? Mm-hmm. And then and then so similarly, Pineapple Crate is is looking to provide services to that small farmer doing diversified farming because you know, like you said, Lynette. I mean, it's not like there's a lot of large farms mm-hmm. uh, happening now, and and. So maybe these services are something that's really needed.
3: I believe so. I think the back office, you know, resources that we're going to be able to provide will be very valuable to, you know, the small and medium farmer and those farmers looking to change scale. You know, they have resources to come in to find with Lillette for helping with grants or even Mm -hmm. uh, resources for back office to help them get to the next level as well.
0: Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm.
4: So it's not just limited to small farmers, too. We're looking at the value-added producers, but agriculturally based entrepreneurs, right? So, you know, it could be when, for example, we take a look at green coffee down the road from where we're at. You know, they have a lot of things going on. They have the demo farm over there or the coffee mm-hmm. groves. They have their value-added products, the hats with their logos and all of these things. So, you know, that still links up. It's ag. It's a different way for people to perceive of it instead of, oh, it's hard work. You get up early. You go sleep late. You're always out there. You're dirty. You know, it's not just that. Ag produces so much more that mm. we take for granted on a day-to-day basis. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm.
1: And I think it's also important to stress that it's not just for ag necessarily because just like any other co-working space, there's some great things that can happen just through trans encounters and networking in that space. So if I were an app developer who lived on the North Shore and I started working out of the uh, pineapple crate, I might meet a farmer who could use an app, for
3: example. And not even might. I mean, that's part of our mission. Mm -hmm. We want to mash together technology and agritech and business with farming so that we can create some solutions uh, that happen in the place like Pineapple Crate.
0: Have you started to think of some ideas on how you would bring this community together? I mean, I, you know, I know that uh, like Impact Hub, they're always pulling people from all walks of life into the Impact Hub. What kind of ideas are you starting to formulate for, you know, using the the Pineapple Crate as being a, a, a magnet for for people?
3: Well, I mean, a good example uh, this past January was the Mm Agathon. And so we learned a lot about some of the challenges that are meeting the farmers, whether it's uh, food safety or food security or even the language barrier. So that kind of opened our eyes to who's out there, who wants to create solutions and bring them in to the pineapple crate.
1: And, of course, Bert uh, having a great deal of work to do and uh, in putting together that Agathon. Uh, Lillette, I mean, it sounds to me when you're talking about resource development, programming is going to be a key part of what Pineapple Create provides. Can yeah. you give an example of some things you have in mind?
4: Absolutely. Well, you know, we do want to make um, grantsmanship. More friendly, Mm -hmm. because as your previous guest uh, probably talked a little about, you know, you you find solutions, fiscal solutions to plug the pukas to fit in so that we have a nice tight puzzle. So part of the, um, you know, what we can do is provide training to look for grants or to even start grant writing. There aren't too many of us out there, grant writers, that is, who just only focus on that. So that's a skill in and of itself. And someone in the family, the farming family, may be more uh, appropriate to working in that venue or even just reading about compliance and saying, well, this is why you guys have to plant this way or why you have to do your um, irrigation system this way. And then we can work with our tech guys to develop that mapping, the development of how you can use maybe drones to monitor, you know, Mm -hmm. bring the 21st century into
0: farming. You know, I do want to talk to you a little bit about the, that grant uh, writing opportunity because, you know, what's news to me is that there are pockets of money out there. And, you know, well, we will hold that thought because that's just a tease. We'll be right back at this short break to continue our conversation with both Brandon Eskew and Lilette uh, Subedi about the pineapple crate. This is Bite Marks Cafe. Support for Bite Marks Cafe comes from the HPR Local Talk Show Fund, which helps Hawaii Public Radio sustain and grow its locally produced talk shows. Mahalo to contributors Chaminade University, Inter-Island Solar Supply, and Hastings & Pleadwell, a communication company. Welcome
1: back. This is Bite Marks Cafe. I'm Bert Lum. And I'm Ryan Ozawa. And if you're just joining us, we're talking about the Pineapple Crate, a co-working space focused on agriculture. And we're speaking with Brandon Askew and
0: Lulette Subetti about that place. And of course, right before, we're talking about some of the different services that the uh, Pineapple Crate could actually offer uh, some of the participants, the uh, the tenants. And I think this idea of the, the, you know, where do you find money to go out and perhaps do some of these projects? And one of the things that I learned as a result of the, um, the Agathon was that there is actually organizations, news to me, you know, like ADC. ADC has some money. They can apply toward projects. And even the Department of Ag has money that they can apply toward projects. So maybe, uh, let share, share some ideas on who are some of these uh, potential uh, funders of projects.
4: Right, well, we take a look at the local foundation uh, scene. We mm-hmm. can go to the Hawaii Community Foundation. Mm-hmm. A few years back when Wedge was just getting its feet wet, you know, not completely in place, uh, we went to just talk story with one of the guys who works with the Ulupono mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. monies there and, you know, to get some idea of what we can do or what kind of help we can get. Um Through Brandon's and and Alex Kanomo he's the primary uh co-founder of the Wedge, mm-hmm. We learned from Scott Enright that, hey, you know, we can fund some of these initiatives. You give me something that seems worthwhile, we can do that. So if we're looking into something like helping um, third language, English speaking farmers to get help with that safety plan, for example. You know, we can come up with help having someone come in, our nice techies, to design that app who will do the translation and present it in a nice way on the screen mm-hmm, mm-hmm. so that they, they will be able to understand it and not just look at all of us with kind of, you know, deer in the headlight eyes or <laughs> I mean it's quite common. Um one of the big things for me as a resource developer is that with my experience I'm able to take a look at and research What grants would be appropriate? So Wedge would provide that fiscal oversight, right? Mm -hmm. Be the fiscal uh, manager and recipient. We'd be the principal investigators. But we'd provide the opportunities for the farmers to be the project drivers, Right, So we get the grants. It doesn't cost the farmers anything to come in and talk story. They don't pay me to write the grants. Wedge takes care of that. Mm-hmm. Um, I have to do that on my own. But we take a look at how we can provide that outreach to the different pockets of money so that we can put together a quilt of funding Mm -hmm. that actually meets the real needs of the farmers and developers producers. Well, that's
0: great.
1: Well, speaking of funding, though, you know, certainly running a co-working space is not easy, and they have come and gone over the last Mm -hmm. uh, eight, nine years. Uh, Brandon, what even though this, uh, this space has yet to open, I think, in March?
3: We're shooting for March. Uh, we hope to be ready to go by mid-March. Mm-hmm. And it
1: would be ideal, certainly, if the place was fully sustained by many participants, entrepreneurs, small businesses, farmers, uh, agribusinesses, paying rent and renting space and paying to come to programming. Uh, first of all, you know, who are some of the partners that help make uh, this place get off the ground, and how
3: would you measure it to be a successful venture maybe a year or 18 months from now? I think our uh, measure of success is going to be twofold. You know, of course, you know, having some staying power, just staying open is one good measure of success. But to do that, I think we do need to build relationships with farmers and get those farmers uh, plugged into the ORD, Office of Resource Development, so that they can actually get resources and get solutions and also bringing in our tech community, right? Making those two groups come together to find solutions. Another measure of success, though, would be those solutions and, and how those solutions come forward uh, a year or two years down the road. It's like like we learned with the Agathon. You can create an idea in a weekend, but you also have to fund that idea and nurture that idea and grow it so that it becomes something that stays and lasts. Mm-hmm. To me, those are two um, of our great success um, goals. Some of our partners that we worked with would be, of course, the state of Hawaii. We got GIA grant money to get the place open. Mm. And we also um, worked with ADC to Mm. be able to get a lease for the property that we're using. So those are the the two big partners that we're working with. So
0: do you have a timetable in terms of, you know, the GIA grant will get you to a certain point, maybe uh, 12 months, 18 months down the road. But then come to that point in time, do you have to be financially self-sustaining or do you have a bit of a more runway, and what do you see your runway being?
3: Definitely, I mean, our, our first goal is to build membership. Membership is what's going to give us the long longevity, staying power to continue to provide a place and programming. Uh, that membership is going to either be like corporate sponsor coming in to say, you know, we believe in this mission. We're going to work with you and be a partner with you. Another mm-hmm. membership is the individual level, like the farmer or the person looking for co-work space. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Those are our two biggest uh, goals. And Let from Wedge's point of view, how
1: would you say, uh, what do you look forward to as saying this was a successful venture?
4: Well, we will get more funding to help sustain the pineapple crate, to build the capacity to con- continue to just beyond sustain, right? Just Endure mm-hmm. and provide that hub for the community,
0: mm-hmm. you know, our
4: target community.
0: Now, of course, uh, what kind of, I, I'm sure you're going to get internet access. How do you envision that to be implemented? I don't know if there's a fiber connection going into Pineapple Crate.
3: It was funny you mentioned that. Actually, you know, we uh, got a fiber connection from Hawaiian Telecom. Uh-huh. You know, I, I don't know about the rest of Whitmore, but I feel like I have the fastest internet right now. So you've already Whitmore.
0: got the internet service from Hawaiian Telecom? Already in. And uh, so then when we do our events over there, we don't have to worry about, like, you know, Wi-Fi or we're going to have, like—
3: You're going to be plugged in and ready to go.
0: (laughs) Oh, great. And are you going to be sort of spearheading the the technical aspect of—
3: I will be. I'll stay out there as the director of the Pineapple Crate. Uh, I may not be on site every day, of course, Mm -hmm. but um, we will always have somebody in the Pineapple Crate um, to help the staff. Mm -hmm.
1: And Alette, what would be the first pieces of programming you look forward to unveiling after the Pineapple Crate opens next month?
4: Well, our big piece is to take a look at um, funding to help small farmers, um, pilot projects, you know, with regard to, as I mentioned several times, building that safety plan or taking a look at long term maintenance of their farms, marketing, for example, packaging. So, it, you know, it goes into all aspects of production. And of course, we want to lead up to the big pie, which is processing in Hawaii. Mm hmm. Mm-hmm. So we want to do beyond feasibility studies. We want to get things going, at least on a small basis, that's representative of what the farmers can do and, and you know kind of forecast exponentially what it will wind up with. So it's congruent with the development with Hawaii's constitution. We can't get it all done by 2020, but to get something to actually happen.
1: So there might be some crates coming out of the pineapple crate.
4: That's right. Where can we
0: go to find out more information? Pineapplecrate.org. Very good. Straightforward. And, of course, Brandon Eskew and Lilith Subedi are both founding members of the Pineapple Crate, uh, and they are with the Whitmore Economic Development Group. And, of course, this is opening in March, so stay tuned for the grand opening. And, of course, thank you both for joining us today. Thank, Thank you. Thank you,
3: Ryan. Thank you, Bert.
1: And thank you for listening to Bite Marks Cafe. Join us next week when we'll find out about the future of the Manoa Innovation Center.
0: And if you missed any part of this edition, you can find the podcast of tonight's show on bitemarkscafe.org. If you have any comments or suggestions, email us at feedback at bitemarks.org. You can also find us on Twitter. I'm at bitemarks.
1: And you can follow me at Hawaii. And our engineer is David Chong. You can catch us on
0: HPR1 every Wednesday or anytime via the HPR app. And of course, you have a great Valentine's Day evening. Stay safe and we will see you next week for another edition of Bite Marks Cafe.